It is Tuesday, December 6th. I'm Scott Seiden. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Bucks with an impressive comeback win on Monday Night Football. And some major free agents land in the NL East. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Tampa Bay Bucks come back, beat the New Orleans Saints 17-16. Big name free agents have signed in the National League East. Justin Verlander with the Mets, Trey Turner with the Phillies. And the Heisman finalists are finalized? What is the Vegas lead? Finalized is a good way to put it. Yeah. The Vegas lead is going to be a Monday Night Football. We'll recap what happened last night with the Bucks and Tom Brady's comeback victory over his nemesis ever since he got to Tampa Bay, which has been the New Orleans Saints. By the way, the Saints did cover once of again. Course now, they five covered. and one ATS since Brady got there with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Here to help us break it down is the only two time winner of the Super Contest. He is Steve Fezzik. Fez, how are you? I am. Just a little bit incredulous that Tampa Bay won that game on Monday Night Football. You know, the whole time I'm watching that game, my thought was the winner of the NFC South may be a seven or eight win team, which is, I mean, it's just crazy. Seven would be crazy, but it's it it would have been possible had the Bucks lost. I think one of them has to get to eight or nine because they, they all play each other. Right? Okay, so, it's just forced. Right. Uh, let's talk about... The decisions, and I know you are a big, big on gameplay and game theory and coaching decisions. Let's talk about the Bucks' decision. They're up sixteen three. Excuse me, the Saints' decision sixteen three. Third and one from the Bucks forty four with about six minutes to go on the clock. Third and one, you need one yard, one yard, and this game is basically over. Mm-hmm. They throw the ball on third down. Okay, questionable. I, I actually like it because, you know, you how often when the other team knows you're going to run, you lose two yards. Fair enough. Time. Yeah. But if you're throwing on third down, you have to go for it on fourth down. Like I, I, It's so obvious because you just go back and all you have to do is you bet Tampa on the money line. What would you like the Saints to do? You know, please, I want the Saints to give the ball please, to Tom Brady. Please punt the ball. You know, and it's almost like you'd negotiate. Say, you know, you can. How about if we punt it, but it goes out of bounds on the seven? You're like, I still want you to punt the ball. Even even getting a favorable punt, I want you to punt the ball because now I'm live. It's possible. It's one fewer things that I need to happen. You get one more first down. I'm done. So now, as long as I get get my hands on the ball, you know, when I start driving, defense gets tired, gets easier and easier to move the ball. How many times do we see it? Heck, we saw it with Tampa against the Rams in an eerily similar game, except for they only need one touchdown, not two. Well, that was the moment that I thought the Bucs would win this game. Honestly, it was even before the pass. It was when Ingram stepped out of bounds short of the first down marker on second down. I just, I knew. I just, I, I knew that the Bucs were going to win at that point. Well, the Bucs get the ball back with 5.30 to go at the nine-yard line. Tom Brady leads them on a 10-play, 91-yard touchdown drive. And, of course, Game's not over there, 16-10 at that point. And then the Saints proceed to have just a disaster drive where Kamara run, first down, they get three yards, 
Andy Dalton sacked on second down. They throw on third. I love the throwing on third. I, th- I do, because, too. Because, I was third and 17 at that point. You didn't I mean, really have much choice. Again, Tampa, and I know they almost picked it up, and it got, the play got disrupted, but the point is don't just run, run, screen pass, punt. You know, go for the first down. I mean, go for the win. You know, that's – uh, Tampa's not. I assure you, Tampa's not going to run out of time with some time with a timeout in two minutes. So you have to get the first down. It, Dennis Allen with the the. I mean, listen, this roster is not very good. They've been very injured. He's kind of flown under the radar as far as disaster coaches. Uh, yes. But uh, this this felt like the the game where it got exposed a little bit. That yeah, the roster's not great. But you're not doing a really good job with what you've got either. And the eye test was just that the Saints just dominated this game. You know, completely. It's a game you can't lose. You cannot lose this game. It's 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 literally a game where everything has to go wrong, and it did for Tampa to wind up getting the win. And you know what's amazing is in the end game, Tampa won twice. They got a touchdown, called back on offensive holding. Nah. We'll just score again. So now the Bucks at six and six in first place of that division, ahead of the Falcons, who are five and eight. And what an awful division it is! I mean, everybody got a negative point differential. We always talk about in baseball, right, Fez? The the scoring differential. Anyway, how about this for Dennis Allen? Nineteen thirty and one ATS for his career now as a head coach. As for the Bucks, meanwhile, the next two games. 49ers and Bengals, so definitely an important win for them. Usually when you give the standings, you talk about how many games you're up in the loss column, all right? (laughs) This is the case where how many games are you up in the win column is far more significant because teams are unlikely to win in any one game. Unlikely to win at San Francisco. It doesn't matter, you know, who the quarterback is. Tampa, I I went ahead and predicted that uh, Niners probably go up to minus four based upon this horrid performance, maybe a total of 37. And by the game. way, let, let's not let Todd Bowles off the hook. He coached a terrible game, too. Ultra conservative, punted way too much, didn't go for it, and and ultimately gets rewarded you know, <laughs> for, for point. You know, and this is not on it, – it's similar to the World Series of Poker main event. How often do you see, like, these guys making – that make the final table – and you're like, they're great players. They're making all these great moves. It's like, no, it just wor- it just worked out. And also it makes for really good television to see, you know, guys getting there and, and the like. And for every every play like that, there's um there's a, there's dozens and dozens of other players that just donked off their chips and never never to be seen again on ESPN. Well, a few weeks ago we saw Josh McDaniels uh, defeat Nathaniel Hackett in the AFC West Dummy Coach Bowl. <laughs> yes. Uh, today we saw Todd Bowles defeat Dennis Allen in the NFC South Dummy Coach so Bowl. So someone's going to win that division, and they're going to be the four seed, and then they're going to get a home game against the. Uh, Probably the Cowboys. It's going to be a Dallas, or the Eagles. Like it was, Dallas is going to be like laying six and a half and just kill whoever they play in that game. Well, it's happened before. Remember the Seahawks one year at seven and nine won the NFC West, and then they won a playoff game. Actually, it was against the Saints. That was the Marshawn Lynch earthquake game. But yeah, th- this is the worst division in football, and no one really predicted that. The AFC South isn't real pretty, but at least the the Titans don't feel like a. Bad team. They don't feel like a great team. Mm-hmm. Certainly, they're going to win that division and not be a great team, but they don't feel like a total disaster. And this this Bucks team feels like a bad football team, despite the fact that they have the greatest quarterback of all time playing for them. 
somehow they're just not good. It doesn't well, make sense. If Peyton Manning went and played for them, he'd be the second best quarterback. Maybe he, so. He wouldn't be very good. I mean, Brady's actually massively overachieved expectations for a 45 year old. So it's not really his fault, you know. But, but I mean, he's certainly. But, but you know what? He, he played poorly uh, last night. Like, yes. he, he just wasn't. Uh, he, he was missing open throws. This this wasn't vintage Brady by any stretch either. So uh, the Saints get a much needed week off. Uh, they'll have to. They'll, boy, that's a tough one to think about uh, for two weeks. But that's what they'll do. And like you said, the Bucks will go to the 49ers, where the 49ers even without a quarterback. What's your projected line? What, what do you think the line is going to end up at? 49ers minus four total, 37. What would you bet if I put that up? Oh gosh. At FezzikSportsBetMe.com. Uh, I, I would I'd play the 49ers. Mm. I, I, I'd, you know what I'd probably do? I'd probably play the 49ers money line. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I'll take the points with the Bucks. Anything short of a field goal, though, I'll, I'll bet the Niners. You know what? If um, if you can't score against the Saints, how are you going to score against the, the 49ers? I, I don't know. Right? I don't know. And it's not like... You know, the, the defense looked good for Tampa, but Andy Dalton hit some nice throws. There were some drops by by the uh, the Saints receivers. They were clearly playing a hurt running back all night in, in Ingram. Like, they shouldn't have had him on the field at times, and they had him out there. It's just a, a really odd game for, for both teams. Let me, let me pull back the curtain. Um, I personally, when I bet, I prefer low total games versus high total games, which is not to say there's not – but I like extremes. I like games that are aligned at 55 for a total and games that are aligned at 37 because they lend themselves to really good prop bets and the marketplace oftentimes doesn't adjust properly to these sort of games. Like I talk about like a Charger game in the high 50s or in the mid 50s is great for a you know, number of punts to play under six because or even under six and a half because of the, the value. Whereas like here's with a total of 37, there's all kinds of juicy things that you can wind up betting that you normally can't bet. Things including – but not limited to you know first score touchdown or field goal. I don't know. I might make I might make that a pick 'em. It's never a pick 'em. It's always I, a touchdown favorite. Last week when we played the dummy uh, the Dumbo teaser on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. I almost did it again with this, these low totaled primetime games. I almost teased the Saints with the with the under mm-hmm. and. I, it w- the Dumbo, uh, the Dumbo teaser would have come through again. I didn't do it this time. <laughs> well, I actually did. <laughs> I, I didn't want to tell you, Fez, but yeah, I, I did the Dumbo play. Total wasn't that low. The total was forty. So here's an example where you know what your your handicap was right. You would have won because you you, yeah. you you correctly identified the under. The teaser's not helping you any to play under forty seven. You know, the uh, the under 40 was a winner. Yes, the parlay of dog and underdog would have won, and that's probably where. I should have been looking anyway. That that's the that's the mistake. Well, just you could parlay the plus three and a half with the under forty. You didn't or, or under forty one. I'm sorry. Yeah. You didn't have to be teasing the plus nine after the under forty seven. Yes. All right. That is Steve Fezzik. We will talk to you again Thursday morning, previewing a real doozy between the Las Vegas Raiders and the L.A. Rams. I know you can't wait. I can't wait. It'll be a fun time. Raiders home game in Los Angeles. Oh, 100% L.A. is a Raider city. Maybe so. Maybe the Raiders playing with some momentum. Like, What percentage of the crowd will they have? 70%? I, I don't think it'll be that high. I think if this were a Chargers game, you'd be right. No, it, it's going to be high. I, I'll go as far as to say 75-25 Raiders fans. 
But although the Rams are playing so poorly, they may not have any crowd there. You might be right this time, too. And, you know, normally you'd argue that, oh, it's a Thursday game. We don't have time to travel down there to Los Angeles. But there's— They live there. They live there, yes. Yes, they live there. Have you been impressed with what the Raiders have done? Oh, you you have to be. And they've really saved their season. And now you've got the one concern, two overtime games, three straight really close games, and now a short week where they do have to travel— even if it's a short travel, that's a tough spot, but they have all the momentum in the world. That is the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Steve Fezzik. Thanks, Fez. We'll talk to you Thursday morning. Sounds good. Huge signings in Major League Baseball, AJ, as the winter meetings are underway. The Philadelphia Phillies make a huge splash, signing shortstop Trey Turner to an 11-year, $300 million deal, reuniting him with his former Nationals teammate, Bryce Harper. Yeah, this is an unbelievable deal. Full no trade, no deferred money. Uh, this is a just a massive, massive contract. The ten three hundred million dollar contract in baseball. Uh, one of my favorite players. I, I think well deserved. A guy can can do everything. One of the few. One of the few real five tool yeah. players in the game. And this is huge for the Phillies because defense was a major issue for them last season. Turner now becomes the shortstop. Bryson Stott moves over to second base. They didn't pick up Gene Segura's option. So this team, as good as they were this past season, they're even better going into next year. The only worry is you're paying a guy who one of his best attributes is speed, Mm -hmm. and you're paying him until he's 40 years old. And it'd be – we were talking about it with RJ, actually. It'll be off the air. It would be a rare thing for a 40-year-old to have – Mm-hmm. Any kind of real impact mm-hmm. uh, with speed, but Ricky Henderson did it. Maybe Trey Turner can do it as well. But I, I, he's just great everywhere. Great defender, great hitter. Great well, you got a con- power. You got a contact guy now and a power. But you got him at the top of the lineup now to set the to set the lineup up, and it's just it makes this team so much better. And we'll see when Bryce Harper is able to come back. You know, he had a surgery, and and this. I would I would bet on the Phillies next year. I really would. Lineup looks great. I I love when a team loses in the World Series and then doubles down. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is the San Diego Padres were apparently the last team in on him. Mm-hmm. And you know the San Diego Padres already have a pretty high priced shortstop on their roster mm-hmm. too. Like it's uh, teams teams are going for it, and you you kind of love to see it. You love to see these and. Especially, uh, these are a couple teams who haven't won anything in a long time. They're tired of the Dodgers, you know, and whoever. I guess there's not many teams in the National League who have consistently been winners outside the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. but they're tired of it. They want to get in on this action. This is what you got to do. The other huge signing. I should say the Giants. It's disrespectful to the Giants, who have had a pretty good 10, 20-year run. The other huge signing in the National League East, the Mets, who bring in Justin Verlander on a... (laughs) $43.3 million per year deal. He's now got the high. Oh, no. Is it it now tied? Yeah, it is. I think it's tied with Scherzer for the highest annual average value in Major League Baseball. Unbelievable numbers. Uh, I think that. He turns 40 in February. But does he look like he's slowing down to you? No, he had an incredible season last year. And I think that it's a two-year deal. I I don't hate this. I mean, if you get 80% of what he had last season mm-hmm. and then you get 70% of it the next year, it's probably worth this. It's I I'll say this. This is a number that I knew the Astros wouldn't touch. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Astros in a way get a win here with him not signing with the Yankees. 
this is a huge deal for the Mets. Who but now the the concern is you're too you you just lost the best pitcher in baseball a couple days ago. Now you you gain you know one of the best pitchers in baseball. The problem is now your two aces are both older gentlemen, and yeah. you have to worry well, about long term health. Clearly pushing the chips in the middle. It's win now, just right now. And what's amazing is. I actually think it's a smarter move for the Mets because to commit long-term to Jacob deGrom, a guy who's injured a lot, yeah. I think you – look, the, the owner doesn't care about the money. Steve Cohn's the richest owner in baseball. He doesn't care. So to spend the money short-term for Verlander I think is better than spending it long-term for deGrom. As good as deGrom is, and I know deGrom is young, but – the injury concerns, you don't want to give a five, six-year fully guaranteed deal to a guy that could eventually get hurt again. It's only two years for Justin Verlander. I'm with you. I, I like this. Did What's, you see what Kate Upton said, though? I did see what she said. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't so, even the biggest offer from New York. Exactly. She uh, she did say something. Um, we, had an, we had a higher offer from the other New York team. But we wanted to go where the fans don't boo their own. Sorry, Hal. Now, thats I don't think that's a real quote. I think that's a uh, a made-up quote. That's a Twitter quote. A Twitter quote, yeah. But it is it has been uh, circulating around the internet. As has the uh, the video of Kate Upton flipping off Philadelphia fans. Yes. Oh, you're going to fit yes. right in here. Exactly. So, <laughs> But fans are having fun with Kate Upton and Justin Verlander, and they'll do just fine in New York. Pretty wild. There have been more than a billion dollars spent on free agents already. And Aaron Judge hasn't signed yet. Aaron Judge, Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson, Xander Bogarts, still on the table. Aaron Judge was at the football game last night. I saw him, yeah. yeah. He was at the football game last night. And the Yankees did just re-sign their general manager, Brian Cashman. Uh, and Cashman said at the winter meetings that they're having conversations with Judge. And they're not going to rush him. They're going to let him play out his whole process. But... Uh, I do think that he resigns. Cashman did say that Steinbrenner is, quote, putting his money where his mouth is. All right. So I think they will wind up paying Aaron Judge. I wonder if if they if the if that internet rumor is true that the Yankees offered more than Oh, I don't think that. it could be, but I, I think that's a made up quote. But yeah. do you agree if if it is true, mm-hmm. that would mean the the Yankees are less likely to go after Aaron Judge because it seems like they're wanting to spend big money on pitching? No, I don't think so. I think okay. the Yankees are just looking at this. In 2009, the Yankees went out and bought themselves a World Series. They signed CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, done that. and Mark Teixeira. Yeah. And those three free agent signings helped them win a World Series. So I think that they're going to re-sign Aaron Judge. And then it could be some pitchers on the lower end of the spectrum. Good pitchers, though. Carlos Rodon. You know, there's a trade rumor out there that the Yankees could wind up getting Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. So if they're able to pull off a trade like that, if they're able to sign a guy like Rodon, and also there's this idea that uh, Aaron Judge and Jamison Tyone are linked, so the Yankees would have to re-sign Tyone and Aaron Judge together. I-, I think they'll be just fine, but everything will play out over the next you know couple of days here at the winter meetings. We have our finalists for college football's most famous trophy, the Heisman Trophy. And it is a quarterback award this year. The four finalists, Georgia's Stetson Bennett, TCU's Max Duggan, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, and USC's Caleb Williams are announced now as the finalists. That was yesterday. 
a lot there and I'll say this there are a lot of names left off the list that mm-hmm. you could make a good argument for. Hendon Hooker being left off the list was probably my biggest surprise. I know you were pushing for Michael Penix. Yeah. I think no Blake Corum, no Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. It, it, like the fact that it was just four quarterbacks is maybe surprising. Um but these four guys I don't know. I mean it clearly takes into account how good was your football team, which often the Heisman yeah. does do that. Best player, best team. I think that they're, and this is no knock on any, you know what, actually it is a knock on people. C.J. Stroud is only here because he was supposed to be here at the beginning of the year. I, you you could make a, a good argument that Hendon Hooker and Michael Penix both had better seasons yeah. than C.J. Stroud. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I'll say before the Pac-12 championship game, it felt like he was, he was ar- minus three thousand. He'd already won the trophy. Yeah. After that game, it didn't feel that way at all. And and you can argue after the Big Twelve title game, Max Duggan should have won the award because he went out there and he willed his team to overtime. And I know that they lost, but he he put his team on his back. You can make arguments for a lot of guys. Uh, I, it feels like this is going to be. Um, there's there's oftentimes a slam dunk winner. Mm. There's not one this year. It's going to be Caleb Williams, and I'll tell you why. Heisman voting began on November 28th. There's definitely a population of voters. I don't know for a fact. I'm just saying this. But you know there's a population of voters that submitted their votes prior to the Pac-12 championship for sure. game. Because of how dominant Caleb Williams was, it's kind of like the idea of, it didn't matter what Georgia did in the SEC championship game. They were going to the college football yes. playoff. And some voters probably felt it doesn't matter what Caleb Williams does in the Pac-12 title game. We already saw him play Utah earlier this year, right? And so his season was good enough to win the Heisman. We're submitting these votes. And Caleb Williams did throw for 363 yards in that Pac-12 title game. He did throw for three touchdowns in that Pac-12 title game. He just happened to throw an interception. He happened to get sacked, lose the ball a couple times. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. But his numbers overall this season still good enough in my opinion, to win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, just just look at his touchdown output this year, right? He threw for 37 touchdowns. He rushed for 10 more. That's more touchdowns than anybody. Yeah. And he was on a team that, yes, did go, you know, 10-2, and 11-2, whatever it was. I got I to gotta think that this is his award. When you look at, and I, I think he's got almost no chance of winning, but when I look at Stetson Bennett's numbers, particularly in games against the top 25 mm-hmm. teams in the country, yeah, his numbers, first of all, he, he and Caleb Williams are the only two guys who played five games against end-of-season top 25 teams. Of course, Stetson Bennett went 5-0. Five, five and oh, Caleb Williams went 3-2. and two, But Stetson Bennett had a better completion percentage, more touchdowns, uh, the same amount of rushing touchdowns, better QBR, I mean, he was better, and he he went undefeated. I think that Caleb Williams did a lot of stat padding, mm-hmm. putting up big numbers against overmatched teams. I think C.J. Stroud did a lot of that as well. Um, and Max Duggan most definitely yeah. did a lot of that. So I, I if I had a vote, it would be for Stetson Bennett. I think it would be thrown onto the burn pile Mm -hmm. Uh, because I tend to agree with you. Caleb Williams is probably the likely winner. I don't know if he's the most deserving guy, but 
historically, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley quarterbacks just get the award anyway. <laughs> yeah. Whether he, he deserves does, it or not. He that's, does have a track record. Yeah. We have uh, a TNT doubleheader and a short NBA slate and a couple of hockey games to talk about. So let's get to a Tuesday evening look ahead. Los Angeles Lakers plus four and a half at the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Detroit Pistons, eight and a half point dogs at Miami. And the Dallas Mavericks, hot as they've been, underdogs here, five point dogs at the Denver Nuggets. On the ice, the Devils will host the Blackhawks. And there's a lot of heavy lines on the board tonight, so uh, keep that in mind. Devils minus 385. The Kings take on the Senators in Ottawa, L.A., a short minus 105 favorite. Blue Jackets at the Penguins. Pittsburgh minus 285. Red Wings at the Lightning. Tampa minus 235. The Blues on the second out of a back-to-back after losing to the Rangers will be out on Long Island to take on the Islanders. New York minus 165. Panthers at the Jets. Florida minus 120. Maple Leafs at the Stars. Dallas minus 110. Hurricanes at the Ducks. Carolina minus 278. And the Canadiens after losing a wild one, 7-6 last night to the Canucks after having a 4-0 lead. After the first period, AJ, they will be in Seattle to take on the Kraken. Seattle minus 220. The Jimmy V Classic taking place at Madison Square Garden. Number 17. I used to go to that every year. Did you really? Yeah. Number 17. You got some good ones this year. Number 17, Illinois, taking on number two, Texas. Texas minus two and a half there. Six and oh, Texas minus two and a half. And six and one, Iowa taking on number 15, Duke. Duke minus three in the nightcap. Want any picks for tonight from any one of our pregame pros? College basketball. I got a three-star NHL play for tonight, AJ. I got a three-star college hoops play for tonight. Whoa. One of those nights, baby. Guess what? My three-star college play from last night? Yeah. Winner. Easy winner. I've won four straight three-star NHL plays. Here's what we're going to do. You can take 15% off at pregame.com. Get both of them. You know why? Because if you take the 15% off, it's like you're only paying for one of them. I mean, the math doesn't work out, but it's still a good discount. 15% off at pregame.com. If you use the promo code EARLY15, we appreciate you waking up early with us. So EARLY15 is the promo code to use at pregame.com. Get your 15% off anything. AJ's got a three-star college basketball play tonight. I got a three-star NHL play for tonight. For AJ Hoffman and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great, profitable Tuesday. Straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.